Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. And with the help of the Lord tonight, I'm just going to speak from this simple subject. There is a river. Would you put your Bibles down and would you lift both hands right now and would you ask God to speak his word? God, we come before you right now, God, humble, that you would allow us to be in this place, God, at this very hour, God, to open this infallible word, God, and then be able to hear it. I'm asking you tonight, Lord, in the name of Jesus, to have your way. God, let your word be spoken. Help us to be hearers, Lord, but not only hearers, but doers, God, of your word. Help this word tonight find fertile soil in this place, God, that would bear fruit that is worthy, worthy of you. And God, we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. You may be seated. I stand tonight behind a sacred desk. I'm talking to great people, wonderful people. In my opinion, and I'm certain it's the opinion of others, that I stand before some of the greatest people that has ever walked in shoe leather. I really believe that. I stand before great men and women of God. And so I say that to say this. I, I can't stand here tonight as if I have it all together I can't stand and say that I have everything all wrapped up and sewed up and I know everything there is to know about everything. I don't think that anybody in this house and I could say that, but I am certainly the least of these in this place tonight. I am a young man and, and in my years on this earth, they've been very shortly up, but I have experienced some things. I've experienced some things, especially in the last few years that they don't make me wonder. They don't make me wonder about some things, but they make me know. They make me know that this human experience, and as human beings, we tend to ask the question, why? And sometimes we stand in disbelief when things befall us. After all, we are created in his image, and he sits in the heavenlies. So we are direct descendants from a man and a woman that have experienced perfect peace. But tonight, one man's disobedience, sin entered the world, and here we are. A common misconception may not always be consciously in our thoughts, but 
I'm talking from experience, but in the back of our minds, there there comes times in our lives when we stand a chance of of buying in to a misconception that as Christians, as people of God, that we would not experience troubles, that we would not experience hardship, that those things would not come our way, that they would be far removed and distant from our individual and our corporate lives. I don't mean that we have a mindset that we are better than any given person in the world. But surely, as people that believe in a living God, the downfalls and the pitfalls of life would not darken the door of the child of God. Surely living for God and devoting my life to Him and devoting my life to His work would somehow make me exempt from the things that happen in the world today. And so in the back of our minds, we desire complete happiness and confidence in this world. Please don't misunderstand me. I don't mean that that in and of itself is a bad thing. We, de- we desire a life absent from trouble and exempt from hardship and free from any opposing force. However, as unfortunate as it sounds, it just does not work that way. A life without trouble, a life without hardship on this side of heaven, sadly, is simply an illusion. As I've already stated, we all know that because of one man and one woman's disobedience, all were destined to live out this life in trouble among chaos. Job 14 and 1 says, Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. And so the reality is this. Not only do we experience this through sin, we experience this because we are in the last days. We're not waiting on end time prophecy to be fulfilled. I believe that we're living in it as we speak. It's not something that we're looking forward to in the distance. But I believe tonight that it is upon us. Jesus in Matthew 24 and verse 3 through 14 I'm going to go ahead and tell you tonight, I'm going to read a lot of scripture, so just please bear with me. He sat upon the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. At the question of how will these things be, his first answer is given. Do not be deceived. If I can say it like this, don't be deceived into thinking that all of this cannot happen to me or it won't affect me. And don't be deceived into thinking that there are alternatives to live by. And that list can go on and on and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. Verse 5 says, For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Then, in verse 6, you shall hear of wars, and rumors of wars. We're, we're in that, folks. But he said, see that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet, for nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. All these things 
are the beginning of sorrows. This is just the beginning as if chapters 5, 6, and 7 were not enough. He goes on to say, then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Then shall many be offended, shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. Many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. (laughs) Verse 13. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the world for a witness the fact is this there will be trouble it is an inevitable reality that must come to pass and being a Christian being a child of God called by his name it does not exempt you but it makes you more susceptible you see it's not always sunshine being a child of God or being chosen of God we could talk about David who in the Bible refers to a man after God's own heart. He he had trouble. He was hated by Saul and he he was afflicted. He was pursued by the enemy for one reason, one reason alone, and that was to kill him. But he was still a chosen vessel. Joseph, another used of God in a mighty way, he was elevated to to the seat second to the most powerful man of their day but not before his persecution and subsequent prison sentence. Israel, God's chosen people, suffered bondage, wilderness, captivity, and desolation. But they were and they still are God's chosen people. Verse 9 of the scripture we just read, Jesus told his disciples that suffering would come because of his namesake. And quite frankly, we live in a society tonight that they hate the name. There's no way of soft-soaping that or boiling that down other than they hate the name. The devil knows that he's running out of time and he knows that that name is powerful and he's going to do everything that he can do to push that out of society. It started with prayer in schools. And now today, you would be hard-pressed to even speak the name. Government officials, they they won't allow the name to be prayed. They won't allow it to be spoken in Congress and schools and things of that nature. They hate the name. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3 and 12, Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus, they shall suffer persecution. There are just some things that will happen that are bound to happen and that are absolutely scheduled to happen. We are called to carry out our lives in a fallen world with fallen people. And frankly, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Because of your relationship with him, because of your relationship with Jesus Christ, you may get a little more rain than others. Remember, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And this doesn't even include all the things that will happen just because we live. 
doesn't include the things that are just going to happen because it's just life. There's no way around it. But we must, I say again, we must endure because that he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. And so all the negativity is gone. I'm done with all that. How do we do it? How do we live a life victorious? How do we live a life triumphant in this present world? With all the suffering, all the persecution, it would seem that this joyous living would be much easier said than done because the reality of it all looks bleak. It looks disparaging in the eyes of many. But I've come to tell somebody tonight there is hope because there is a river. Psalm 46 says there is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her in that right early. The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the ends of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder, and he burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen, and I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. The psalmist wrote, there is a river. There is something that will keep you. There is a God that will protect you. And there is help in the midst of the trouble. There is a refuge in the midst of the storm. There is strength in weakness. And there is salvation. From all of this, Isaiah said prophetically, And in that day shalt thou say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Though thou wast angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. And in that day you say, praise the Lord. Call upon his name. Declare his doings among the people. Make mention of his name is exalted. Sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. What was he talking about? He was talking about a God that would not only save his people, that he would become their salvation. He would set up his kingdom. He would establish his church, and he would pour out his spirit. He was talking about Jesus, and that same Jesus stood in the middle of a temple and proclaimed, if any man thirst let him come unto me and drink he that believeth on me as the scripture has said out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water but this he spake of the spirit which they believed on him should receive for the holy ghost was not yet given 
because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Can I tell you, you already know, but let me tell you again, Jesus is God. He was manifest in flesh. He walked the earth and he healed the sick and he set men free. He was hung on a cross for sinners slain. He died and was buried, but three days triumphantly he rose again with the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He was, he was glorified and he ascended into heaven and he lives forevermore. And just like he said he would do, he would pour out his spirit to dwell in us, which is the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you tonight that that is the river and it's present in this place tonight. It began to flow 2,000 years ago and it continues to flow even still today. It is a pure, crystal clear, free-flowing water that will cleanse, renew, and restore. It is a powerful force that can change the complexion of any situation you're going through. It is for you, it is for me, and it is for so, whoever so will. All we have to do is drink. Is it any wonder that a songwriter penned these words? There is a river, and it flows from deep within. There is a fountain that frees the soul from sin. Come to this water. There is a vast supply. There is a river that will never run dry. Can we lift our hands in this house tonight? Can we thank him for his spirit? We thank him for loving us, for being mindful of us, to pour out his spirit, God. We thank you. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. Oh, we praise you, oh God, we praise you, oh God. You are worthy. The psalmist said there is a river. Not was, not will be, there is a river. Streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. It's the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. You see, God is in the midst of her, and she shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. I believe that the river is his spirit, and that city is the church. And no matter what happens in this world, can I tell you, the church is not going anywhere. The church is not going to be weak. It's not going to be lily-livered, but it's going to be triumphant. And that's because God is in the midst of her. God is in control, and none of this has taken him by surprise. He is the God of the earth. He is the God of heaven, and he is almighty. Hallelujah. He is in the midst of it. A river. A river is a natural water course. It's usually fresh water. It's flowing towards an ocean, a lake, a sea, or another river. And in a few cases, a river simply flows into the ground and dries up completely at the end of its course and does not reach another body of water. A river begins at a source and it ends at a mouth following a path called a course. The water in a river is usually confined to a channel made up of a stream bed between banks. Rivers can flow down mountains. They can flow through, river, through valleys or depressions. 
They can flow along plains and can create canyons and gorges. Great and large cities of the world have always been built around water. London has the Thames River, Paris the Seine, New York is the New York Harbor and Hudson River, Chicago is on Lake Michigan, Moscow is on the Moscow River, and Dubai is on the Persian Gulf. These are great and big cities in our world today. It's because water has always been the source of life, the top need as communities have come together. Whether it's a river, whether it's a lake or an ocean, communities and cities were founded around these sources of life, and those without it simply died off. Originally, these cities, they were built upon rivers because it provided nutrient, provided power, communication, and transportation. However, as technology and engineering began to grow and abound, it allowed cities to move further inland, away from these sources. And the need and the desire for direct proximity of water became less and less. Growing technology took the place of the river. And alternate ways of communication and transportation were developed. Yet, humans still desire to live near water. Because real estate prices all over the world reflect that housing on the water is always higher. So how do we apply that to the spiritual, the church, and the river? We have a river tonight that will sustain us. We have a free-flowing fountain that will never cease to flow. The church that is built on that spirit, on that river of God, and on his word is the church that will endure. The child of God that desires that spirit and roots themselves in that church will endure. What is so great about this is that you can get this on the inside. That's what Jesus was talking about. But the desire has to come from me and it's got to come from you. And God will provide the rest. I want to be like David when he said in Psalm 42, as the heart panteth. After the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. I want to be like that. I want to, I want to desire to live at the river. I want to desire to drink from the river. And what does this spirit, this river, what does it provide? What, what is it good for? Well, I'll tell you. It's good for nutrition. It's good for life because Romans 8 and 11 said, But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. It's good for power because he said in Acts 1 and 8, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses for me in Jerusalem and in Judea and all Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. The river, the spirit, is is good for communication. We've been learning a lot more about prayer, and I'm so thankful for that. 
That's what that spirit does for us because Romans 8 and 26 is likewise the spirit also helpeth our infirmities for we know not what we should pray for as we ought but the spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. He that searches the heart knoweth what is the mind of the spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. You know we have been learning a lot more about prayer I certainly don't have everything, like I said, I don't have everything all together. And I struggled with this illustration, so please pardon the personal reference. I don't stand here boastful, but I do feel like I want to share this. My little girl was sick and a few months ago, and she uh, just began to digress. It got worse and worse, and I, I'm a worrier by nature. and It's just bred into me. I can't help it. And so uh, we we prayed, and we and we always seek God. We always seek God because we know that prayer works. We know that that He's a healer. But she continued to get worse, and she continued to get worse. My grandmother called my my wife at work and said something's wrong with this baby. You need to take her to the emergency room. We took her, and she had that dreaded RSV stuff that puts kids in the hospital. And oh my God, I was so scared and so worried. But they didn't put her in the hospital, but. All they gave her was something that would make her throw up. I'm like, what's the deal? We need something to heal her, not to make it worse. Some kind of flu medicine. It just made her vomit. It was, I don't mean to be graphic. But. So we just, we went on and we ended up having to go back to the doctor. And they finally gave us a nebulizer so that we could give her breathing treatments. It was around Thanksgiving. I don't remember exactly the day, but. We were off together, and I told Amy, I said, I'm going to go in this bedroom. I'm going to pray. I didn't know what to pray for. I thought I'd already prayed the prayer of faith. I thought I'd already done what I was supposed to do, and I believe God. I honestly do. Don't get me wrong. Please don't misunderstand. I'm in that bedroom by myself. I begin to pace the floor and I just begin to praise God. And something began to flow out of me that I had never, I had spoken tongues before, but I felt something different. There was something on me. I don't know what it was, but something just began to flow out of me. And I began to speak in that heavenly language and I finished praying and I went outside and she was still the same. But can I tell you that over the next few days, she began to clear up. And what was supposed to be weeks, six weeks of sickness only, only turned out to be just a few days. God is good. He maketh intercession for us. We don't always know what to pray. But can I tell you tonight, if you got the Holy Ghost, you got something inside of you that is stronger than anything in this world. We don't fight against flesh and blood, but... He that is inside of me is greater than he that is in the world. And we got to stir up that spirit that is in us. We got to stir up that gift and let it out. That stuff came back. <laughs> but you know what? It didn't come back near as strong as it was before. 
In just a couple days, we prayed again, God, we need you to touch her, and it was gone. I'm telling you, we serve a God that he cares about us. He put this spirit in us for a reason, and it's our, it's our duty to hold on to it. It's our duty. It's our duty to protect it. It's our duty to protect it. His spirit is good, not only for nutrients. It's not only good for prayer and communication with him and power to operate in this world, but it's good for transportation. <laughs> First Corinthians 15 and 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this moral must put on immortality. And I'm just going to skip down to verse 57 where he says, But thanks be to God which give us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, he's, he's for us. It ain't, it's not a pipe dream. It's not something that we're just kind of hoping for. We're not hoping for some comet to come out of the sky and take us. But there's a living God that walked the face of this earth. He died and rose again and he is coming back for a church. And this spirit on the inside of us is going to resurrect us to be with him forevermore. We got to get it inside of us. We got to hold on to it. If our musicians will come, I'm getting ready to close. Many have suffered afflictions because they were God's people. There will be opposition in, the, in this life that we live. Opposition simply because we live in a fallen world. There are individual hardships that will inevitably affect us as human beings or corporate hardships that will affect us as a body of believers it's not a question of if it's a question of when how else will God count me faithful unless my faith is tested you see there must be opposition trees would not have the ability to grow up straight and tall without wind Birds will not have the desire or the ability to fly without a predator. So I will face opposition. If I live for God and I serve him, chances of persecution are very, very great. <laughs> but I have a promise. I have a refuge. And I have a river. This river can flow when I'm on the top of the mountain. And it can flow when I'm in the valley can flow when things are going well. It can flow when things are in turmoil. This river can get me through whatever comes. And absolutely, hear me, substitutions simply will not do. I must have the real thing. My only chance of survival is that I stay in the city and near the river. I've got to be where he is. Got to be where his spirit resides. And I've got to get his spirit in me. It's my source of nutrition. It's my source of life. It's my source of communication with a God that is in control. And it is my transportation when he calls his church to come home. I'm going to ask you to stand tonight. Thank <laughs> you.
wonder right now if you just lift your hands. My grandfather, when I was young, I, I was a very argumentative child. And I didn't have the Holy Ghost yet. <laughs> he said, boy, you like to argue. You should have been a lawyer. You got to answer for everything. Well, tonight, I do have an answer for everything. What if my life gets turned upside down? There's a river. What if my family rejects me for believing what I believe? There's a river. What if I lose my job? There is a river. What if I get some dread disease? There is a river. There is a, there is a spirit, and it may not change the situation or even fix the situation. But it will give you the ability to endure it. And it will give you the joy and the strength in the process. If you, Tonight, if you've never drank from this fountain, I admonish you to do it. Because the Holy Ghost is for you. And he, and he desires to pour it out. If it's been a while since you've had a drink, I admonish you to take another drink tonight. As we sing this chorus one more time, would you lift your hands to heaven? And would you thank him? for the river. Lord Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you again, Lord, for who you are. We thank you again for what you've done. Oh, we give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.